I know I'm, I'm an attorney and I did not pass the bar the first time or the second time. It took me some time to do it. And I had to really be in a mature state of mind to do it. And as somebody who passed it later, I mean, 14 years after I, um, I graduated law school, actually, I know that I had to be in the right mindset in order to take that exam, because unless you're hundred percent dedicated to it and ready for it, it's not going to happen. You can't force it. You got to buy in. I thought, well, Kim Kardashian took the baby bar. I never had to take the baby bar, but I've heard it's got a really, really low pass rate. To give you an idea, when I took the bar and passed it in, in California, as, as an example, it was a 27% pass rate. The baby bar is rumored to be harder than that. So I'm sure the pass rate may have gone up or down since then. I really don't know, but it's always been below 50% that I know of, at least for uh, repeat takers. So she she failed the baby bar a couple times and ultimately passed it. That's got to take a whole hell of a lot of work. I don't care who you are. You can't You can't fake that. And she didn't even go to law school. That's impressive. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is once again the world-famous Higher Standard Podcast. I am your host, Chris. Let's jump right into it this week. It's been a while since I recorded one of the 20-minute solos. I like these a lot because I get to talk straight to you. But the interview has been really fun lately. Talked to some interesting people. Uh, I hesitated on doing the solo like this for a little bit just because there's been so much, I mean, so much kind of going on out there in the world right now. It's crazy, right? Like you got Russia, Ukraine. I I was in total shock when that happened. I mean, I never thought really, if I'm being honest, in my adult lifetime that I would see another war, much less the real legitimate talk about a possible World War III. That, that, That sounds crazy. But it's happening. People are people are doing that, and, and there's political alliances, and it's the news is just scary. Combine that with if you've been watching my social media channels, I've been talking a lot about non-bank lenders and the human capital business that is lending, particularly mortgage lending. And there's been a lot of layoffs. The CEO of Better.com has laid off a second round of people. And I don't know about you guys listening to this, but this man has one of the most punchable faces I've ever. Oh God, I, I want to punch him right in the face. And it's not because. He's a total douche and a terrible manager. I mean, I guess it gets results, and that's why he's still in the position that he's in. So maybe he's not a terrible business person, but I just right in the face. I want to punch him right in the face. I, I don't know why. I mean, it just whatever. That space is is coming under a whole lot of pressure. I know that there are some lenders who are saying they're not going to lay off anybody else, but we just had the Fed interest rate increase, and that was. Probably the most telegraphed Fed interest rate increase in human history. So for those of you who don't know, the Fed's job 
is really to do two things. And I'm oversimplifying, but it really comes down to two things. One, economic policy, right? They're, they're supposed to be the one responsible for the oversight of economic policy and do things like increase interest rates to try to control things like inflation. So Jerome Powell came out, uh, had a telephone, uh, had his had his announcement with the Fed interest rate increase, and I'm going to play a little bit of that and get into it. But the other part of the job, the second responsibility, is regulation, and I'm really curious to see if Jerome Powell continues what has historically been for him this theme of deregulation as opposed to adding more regulation. There are a lot of people who are critics of him that I don't necessarily agree with, who think that there should be a lot more regulation. What I will say is now more than ever, there's a lot of new technology and new things impacting the markets that the Fed should be aware of. And I don't know if it's the Fed's job to really regulate things like cryptocurrency or the blockchain, but they certainly need to work with that in mind. They certainly need to work with the SEC possibly on some things and really think about how the impacts to monetary policy are really coming into fruition for them because you can't just raise interest rates in a vacuum and not look at the ether, the the zeitgeist, what's going on out there in the rest of the world that could be impacting monetary policy. So this was the opening statement by Jerome Powell just after he announced the increase in interest rates, 25 basis points. The financial and economic implications for the global economy and the U.S. economy are highly uncertain. At the Federal Reserve, we are strongly committed to achieving the monetary policy goals that Congress has given us, maximum employment and price stability. Today, in support of these goals, the FOMC raised its policy interest rate by one quarter percentage point. The economy is very strong, and against the backdrop of an extremely tight labor market and high inflation, the committee anticipates that ongoing increases in the target range for the federal funds rate will be appropriate. In addition, we expect to begin reducing the size of our balance sheet at a coming meeting. Economic activity expanded at a robust 5.5% pace last year, reflecting progress on vaccinations and the reopening of the economy, fiscal and monetary policy support, and the healthy financial positions of households and businesses. So I'm going to go ahead and stop that right there. I don't want to play a whole bunch of this, but I, I did want to play a little bit of that that statement when he opened it up. And I sorry about the email that came through. I probably should have muted that. but. <laughs> I wasn't uh, really paying attention. And honestly, I'm not important enough for anybody to email. But nonetheless, Powell is really saying here that they're going to do this in a much more consistent process over time. And I don't think that people really realize what that means at this juncture in time. So I'm going to make an early call. It's my early speculation. You can tell me I'm full of shit. It's fine. I know that we have the next presidential election coming up the first week of November in 2024 which means in 2023, we're going to see a lot of the political rhetoric spin back up. We know there's a war going on. We know all this crazy shit's going on in the economy. And I think it's becoming a universal consensus that Biden might not run again, or at least is unlikely to run again. So there's a lot of criticism there. I've seen some early indications that you might get another run from someone like Hillary and there's all sorts of weird things that are going to happen. 2023, from a political standpoint, is going to be really interesting. And then you bring in all this other stuff that's going on out there in the world, and it can be very, very contentious. It'll be fascinating to see how it unfolds. I think we can all agree Trump's probably going to make another run at that as well. So 
it, it's going to be sensational. Let's leave it at that. But the Fed has to think about that. Think about this if you're the Fed, right? You're going to increase interest rates and you're going to start now. And he basically telegraphed about seven more interest rate increases, although he didn't say how much each one would be. But if you assume 25 basis points at time, and you do that, those seven increases over a period of call it a year, year and a half, that takes you into 2023. You can't increase rates at a pace and then slow down and speed up during an election year because there are political ramifications. People could say that the Fed are, is doing things strategically to manipulate the political landscape or to help endorse one position over another. So they have to be strategic about their Fed increases over time because they're going to be accused of this. But it's easier to defend those accusations if you've been consistently raising rates over quarter over quarter or meeting after meeting the exact same dollar uh, sorry the exact same interest rate amount over time so i i think that's probably going to be the strategy here right as you just keep increasing interest rates and you keep doing it consistently so that no one can later on accuse you of doing things that may manipulate that political environment so i think we're in in for a ride I, i don't think that the impacts of this have been felt though For a lot of people out there who are like, oh, Chris, I didn't see anything. The world didn't end. The bond markets were all good. Yeah, like I said, this was the most telegraphed interest rate increase. We all knew it was going to be 25 basis points. As a matter of fact, the week before this, Powell had gone into a meeting where he said to the media, to the general public, we're probably going to increase 25 basis points. It was probably going to be 50 before that, but the Ukraine-Russian war has had some implications, so we're probably going to settle on again 25 basis points. We all knew. The bond market had priced it in. Banks had already started pricing it in. Some non-bank lenders were slow to act. And I'll tell you where you're really going to see the implications of this in a big headline way. You're going to see this at the end of Q2. Okay? So January, February, March, Q1, we're going to have numbers announced. But those non-bank lenders are going to hold pools of loans they made at a lower interest rate on their balance sheet. And smart ones will have hedged their bets and they would have taken hedges against their, their possible selling of their portfolios and they would have locked in whatever profits they could have. Dumb ones would not have done that. But here's the problem for them. They still have to sell these pools of loans on the secondary market. And now because interest rates have gone up, those pools of loans that have been priced below the current interest rate at the time of selling of those pools into the market are not going to be able to get par or dollar for dollar the loan amount. They're going to have to take a discount, meaning for, let's say, 95%. So they'll lose 5% on every dollar that they have in the portfolio. And that winds up being a huge earnings hit because a lot of these non-bank lenders, they're not... They're making good money on the front end on origination and fees and stuff like that, but they really, really make their money on selling these loans into the secondary market and their profit on loan sales because in a normalized stable economy or an interest rate decreasing economy, they can actually charge a premium. So it, instead of selling it for you know dollar for dollar, they're selling it for a dollar and five cents for every dollar in loan balance because they have a higher interest rate. So anybody who buys on the market saying this is a better interest rate return than is currently available in the market, that makes sense. So I think in Q2 of 2022, we're going to really see the implications of what this has done to the market. And at the same time, when you're starting to feel those implications at the end of Q2, there's probably going to be another 25 basis point interest rate increase. So that's where I think you start seeing a lot of these things come to fruition. And we can really feel out if elasticity is going to return to the market. And for those of you who are bored with this conversation, allow me to take a pivot. I was pissed off earlier this week. I mean, mad. Like many of you, I heard the Kim Kardashian statements that came from a variety interview 
where she said, get your fucking ass up and work. And I'm going to play a little bit of that because it was so inflammatory. But I'm going to say this with a bit of pause, okay? I was pissed off. I was like, man, this chick has no idea. She's coming from privilege. And then I had a thought. Like, you know, we judge people. You, you, I do this a lot. You think you know somebody or you think you know somebody's mentality or character because you see them. And I fell victim to the same thing I tell people not to do. And it took me a little bit to pause. So I reached out to a friend of mine and she actually has worked with Kim Kardashian and the Kardashian family a lot. And her comments to me were really interesting. So I'm going to say that that I don't think the Kardashian family should have done this, but I'm going to explain why at the end. But here is the statements that she made. And you probably saw this online, but there was this intro period where she was, it, it was advice to women. I didn't, I didn't know that in the beginning, but this, is, this was Kim Kardashian's advice to women. So I'm going to play this. Then I'm going to tell you what my friend who's worked with her has said. And then I'm going to give you kind of how I settled on this. And I know, Chris, it's, it's a finance podcast. Why are we doing this? Because I think we talk a lot about business and mindset and motivation and how to do those things because it does matter just as much as your education around finance. And this is a great example of why you can't take everything at face value and you have to really dig in. Sometimes people are trying to sell you something. Sometimes you just don't see the whole picture. Here we go. Term. I have the best advice for women in business. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. You That's have to, so true. You have to surround yeah. yourself with people that want to work. Have a good work environment where everyone loves what they do because you have one life. No toxic work environments and show up and do the work. If you're the smartest person in that room, you've got to go to another room. Like you. Okay. Yeah, we all heard that. It, it doesn't sound good. It, 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 in a vacuum, it's easy to say, hey, your dad was one of the most prominent attorneys in Hollywood. You came from a privileged life and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And I took that tag. I actually made a YouTube video where I blew this thing up. I mean, I paused it in between and just tore the whole thing apart. And I just didn't feel right about it because I did, the, I did what everybody else did. Like, you got famous off a of sex tape, lady. But let's be honest with each other. She was already known before that. She worked as an assistant for Paris Hilton for some time. She, she was in that space. She was obviously dating somebody at the time that sex tape was made that was also a celebrity. So you can't really knock. I mean, I guess you could say it catapulted her career on some level. But we all make stupid-ass mistakes. We all do dumb shit. Like, we're, none of us are perfect, right? So... You really can't hold someone like her to that standard and say, well, that's only because of this. I mean, if you watch Euphoria at all, kids do stupid shit, right? So let's just, so I asked my friend who's worked with the family, knows Kim. I said, what are your thoughts? And I edited a little bit of this to to keep my my friend's identity private. So here's what she said. As someone who has worked with Kim on three different occasions, I can tell you firsthand, she is the hardest working woman I have met in LA. And I got that and I thought, well, damn. Okay, I mean, I know she's doing a lot. I know she's doing a lot. So let's 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 give a bit of pause, because ninety five percent of the world is slamming her with her sex tape, and I did that. You must remember that getting famous is one thing, but the true challenge is not only keeping that position and the level of clout, but also expanding. And I will say that is undeniable. The Kardashian family has has had this amazing ability to expand on their notoriety and take it up to a level where they are clearly some of the most influential people 
in the world today. I mean, they're, they're some of the most followed, some of the most talked about. It's just who they are. That's got to take work, right? She goes on, there are multiple people out there that I personally dislike, especially the way they entered the entertainment industry, but not so many were able to work their way to the top. If she was just a bimbo, this whole tape incident would have been long forgotten. I totally agree with that. I mean, a sex tape is a sex tape. How many celebrities we know that have had sex tapes that have gone by the wayside that are nobody today? That's true. I can name a lot. Not that I've seen a lot of sex tapes, but because, you know, they make the news. We see them. This woman built an empire, a legacy, no excuses, 15 hours a day if needed. She owns multiple successful brands, studies law to pursue her father's heritage, and is dedicated to causes that most celebrities wouldn't even consider touching. Here's the thing about Hollywood. Celebrities pretend that they care so they can get involved in charities and publicize the heck out of it. Not Kim. She has done a tremendous job and for cases you've never even heard of. So I know I'm an attorney and I did not pass the bar the first time or the second time. It took me some time to do it. And I had to really be in a mature state of mind to do it. And as somebody who passed it later, I mean, 14 years after I, um, I graduated law school, actually, I know that I had to be in the right mindset in order to take that exam, because unless you're hundred percent dedicated to it and ready for it, it's not going to happen. You can't force it. You got to buy in. I thought, well, Kim Kardashian took the baby bar. I never had to take the baby bar, but I've heard it's got a really, really low pass rate. To give you an idea, when I took the bar and passed it in, in California, as, as an example, it was a 27% pass rate. The baby bar is rumored to be harder than that. So I'm sure the pass rate may have gone up or down since then. I really don't know. But it's always been below 50% that I know of, at least for uh, repeat takers. So she, she failed the baby bar a couple times and ultimately passed it. That's got to take a whole hell of a lot of work. I don't care who you are. You can't, you can't fake that. And she didn't even go to law school. That's impressive. But then you started hearing about this other stuff. Okay, yeah, you can argue that she pays people, she's wealthy, and they do the work for her, and they go on a lot of vacations. But if you're allowed to go on vacations, you should. A lot of us don't have that luxury. I get it. But then you start thinking about, well, wait wait a minute. If she's actually working on charitable stuff, but she's not publicizing it or not using her brand to, to build her brand off of the charity work she's doing, if this is true, and I believe this person, I know this person very well who said this about her, then you have to think, okay, there's probably a lot going on that she's not leveraging her personal brand to do anything for the public to build herself off of, but to to actually be flu- influential. So if she's not work, if she's not working in front of the camera on some of these things, and we don't know about it, we automatically assume she's not doing it. So when you hear stuff like this, advice like this, it's hard to say, oh wow, Kim's busting her ass, but maybe she is. Maybe she is. This doesn't age well with the image of the brand they have for sure. The statement was not appropriate but she goes on my friend says donated outrageous sums of money for legal fees of these average citizens and is seriously setting the standard high and since the podcast is higher standard that kind of resonated give her the credit she deserves and let's let's forget about the fact that she had a sex tape with a former boyfriend out of all the gold digging women in la she's in the one percent category same as cardi b a former stripper now the hardest one of the hardest working individuals i've ever had the pleasure of working with it doesn't matter what made her famous. It wasn't a murder. She didn't hurt anybody. Us as a society love to assume, judge, and hate. Pointing fingers is the easiest. Let's turn this around and discuss her valid points. No one wants to work anymore. No one wants to wake up early and get whatever needs to be done to make dreams come true. So here's what I'll say. 
I don't believe that no one wants to, to work hard anymore. What I'll say is we have curated a culture largely due to social media's influence of trying to get wealthy quick and to, quote, ball out and spend this money and cap and no cap and all this other stuff. It's really, really this fast paced kind of mentality. And that's just not how real wealth is built. Even the Kardashians, for as wealthy as they are today, were nowhere near this wealthy 10 years ago. That is amplified over time. Time does that. So a lot of these 20-year-olds that are aiming for the 1% of the 1% that got super, super wealthy, that's not attainable by everybody. And I can't preach how to do that. I can't teach you how to do that on this podcast. And yeah, the Kim, the Kim Kardashians of the world took an opportunity to level up something that was unfortunate that happened, took bad publicity, made it good publicity. And really, you got to give a special shout out to, to Kris Kardashian. Uh, she, or Kris Jenner, sorry. She she has been clearly the architect of taking what could have been a very dark situation where you know some people would have just gone silent and curated a, a better future for their family. So it, there, there is some PR work there that, that is masterfully done. But it's easy to look at, at people around you in life and assume so much. And it's easy to, to think that you know someone else's pain, someone else's joy. And we really don't. I heard this statement too. I got really offended. I was pissed. I was like, who the fuck? Did, who? Why? I don't really know why they said it this way. I'm not sure it was the best PR move or maybe there's a greater context to why they did it. I'll be honest. I didn't even waste time reading, listening to the whole variety interview. It's about seven minutes long. And I was just like, nope. As soon as we all heard that segment, I think we all judged. But maybe we're all wrong. Maybe she does work really hard. Maybe there's a lot more to that than we know. And frankly, it is good advice to work hard. It is good advice to get up. Well, there's that email again. To get up, to do all those things you got to do. Because frankly, a lot of people don't want to do that. I'm not going to say that no one wants to do that anymore. I'm not saying to get your fucking ass up and work. There's definitely a lot of people out there that are in different businesses and they're working through really hard circumstances. But I'll say... For every one of you, there are people out there who are trying to find a shortcut. Stop looking for the shortcuts. Stop looking for the things like Airbnb arbitrage that are shortcuts. I mean, if you want to do one or two and try it out, if it works for you, great. But you should be aiming for property ownership. These should all be a path to owning real estate as one example. If you want to start a company, build a company, expect not to make a lot of money right away and expect to build revenue over time. You're not going to walk into money like day one. It takes time to build these businesses. That's really the message I think that we should take home from this is sometimes you got to grind. And that's always easier if you listen to this podcast by chasing things that you're passionate about. And that's why I always talk about it. A lot of stuff going on on social media too. A lot of these Airbnb things keep popping up. I've done an episode on that before and I'm probably going to do another episode on Airbnb arbitrage specifically, I guess legally how to do it and some of the red flags to look for. I really didn't want to do that because I don't like the business model candidly. I don't think that it's sustainable for most people. You can always find a way to do it. There's absolutely a legal way to do it. I'm happy to walk people through that. It's probably going to be in an upcoming episode. It's a little cringy for me because I'm just not a fan, but I'll do it. I'll also explain some of the nuances of the law in certain places in California. I know California pretty well and some other states like uh, Oklahoma and Texas. I know I know fairly well as well. So we can talk about how different states look at different things. And then... I may do an episode coming up, and this is really going to come back to, to your guys' feedback. I'll post some questions on social media. 
I've seen a lot of charitable foundation stuff going on. There was a, a post on Baller Busters the other day where where this charity was uh, not really donating as much of the money they're taking in. And I don't know how pissed off I should be about stuff like that because a lot of these charities don't donate the all the money, the proceeds they get. I guess it comes down to communication and transparency as it relates to the financials. A lot of them love to talk about money collected, not money donated. I think that's very... Uh, misleading is probably a nice way of putting it. But I think with the election coming up and the Clintons and everything else and and, and, and kind of the, the era that we're in right now, transitioning uh, to the next presidential election in a couple of years, I think talking about foundations, which are a big part of how a lot of these fundraising activities happen and where the money goes and the difference between a for-profit LLC and a 501c3 and income collection may provide to be beneficial to some people who I think don't understand that, that a lot of very affluent families can use charities and religious organizations as a way to shield themselves for taxes very legally. But there is a question of whether it's ethical or not. And I think that's where there's a dividing political line that I really don't care to get into. I'd rather just talk about it uh, as a 30,000 foot elevation perspective and let you guys all decide. So thank you for tuning in. Always a pleasure spending time with you. We'll catch you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.